Daniel 2 is where we're going to be tonight. Daniel chapter 2. I used it as our call to worship this morning. As I mentioned, we looked at the book of Daniel this past summer, and I enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Uh, there's been a couple verses from Daniel 2 that have just remained with me uh, these past weeks, especially in light of the impending election. And so tonight I thought, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to take some time and we're going to just look at these verses and we're going to hear what they have to say to us uh, about that which will take place in our country on Tuesday. But even more, uh, they speak to us about, about our God who stands behind uh, the events of Tuesday and who rules sovereignly over all of history. And uh, that's always a good thing for us to remember. Daniel 2, verses 20 through 23 Some say these are the theme verses of all of Daniel. They kind of encompass the whole message of Daniel. This is what we read. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and you have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the King's matter. As far as the reading of God's own Word. Dear friends, this week it will be, needless to say, an eventful week in our country, Uh, We're in the midst of perhaps the most politically charged time in our nation's history, and no matter which way the election shakes out, uh, I think we all know people are bound to be upset, and people are bound to be troubled, and people are bound to say it's the end of the world as we know it. I can assure you that if you keep your eye on the news uh, this week, you will experience some measure of fear and anxiety and dread. The sky will be falling, certainly. I can also assure you that if you keep your eye on the Lord, and if you keep your your heart focused upon the promises in His Word, you will experience some measure of peace and comfort and confidence, no matter what happens. Isaiah says, you keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Daniel 2, verses 20 through 23, and actually we're really just in verses 20 through 22. We're not even, I'm not even going to say anything about verse 23, but, but these are verses that can help us keep our eyes on the Lord this week. And in these verses, Daniel uh, sets before us four truths about our God, uh, which ought to give us comfort and peace and gratitude, no matter what happens this week, no matter what's going on in the world around us, all right? So, four truths about God that ought to give us comfort and peace and gratitude no matter what happens in the world this week. The first of those four truths is this. Our God is the blessed God of eternal wisdom and might. Our God is the blessed God of eternal wisdom and might. You see this in verse 20, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Wisdom and might are a good combo for our God to have. There are some people uh, who have wisdom uh, but not might, right? There are people who know what needs to be done. They know what is good and right and true 
in any given situation, but they do not have the power to carry it out. You might think for a moment, I probably could have thought of a better example. I always, it seems like you always go to this one, but you might think for a moment of, of right, Nazi Germany, and you might think about those who, they knew what the Nazis were doing were wrong, and they, you know, they tried to, to help the Jews, and many of them were thrown in jail, and well, guess what? They, they, they might have known what they needed to do, right? They, they, they had wisdom, they knew what was good, they knew what was right, they knew what was pleasing to God, but they did not have the power to do it and to carry it out. And that's what I mean. Sometimes people have wisdom, but not might. That's an extreme example, but plays out in various ways every day. Sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes people have might, but not wisdom. Sometimes people have lots and lots of power, but they don't use that power wisely. And these people end up using their power in destructive and hurtful ways. Could think of Nazi Germany. I actually thought first of King David, right? Remember King David when he was on the roof and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and David had lots of power, and David in that moment used his power in very hurtful and destructive ways. So sometimes people have wisdom, but they do not have power to carry it out and to execute that wisdom. Other times people have power, but they do not have the wisdom to use their power well. Well, neither of those things thankfully, are true about our God. Our God has both supreme wisdom and supreme might. That's what Daniel's getting at when he says, to him belongs power and might. Like, these things are, are gods. He, he has these things supremely. Second Chronicles 20 verse 6 says, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Psalm 18.30 says, as for God, His way is perfect. Those are two comforting truths that we really should hold together at all times. There is nothing our God cannot do. And at the same time, everything our God does, He does perfectly. Of course, the supreme wisdom and might that, that Daniel speaks about here was on full display when God came and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. This supreme power of God was on display when Jesus drove out demons, when Jesus healed the sick, when Jesus raised the dead, when Jesus calmed the storm, when He multiplied the loaves, when He walked on water, and certainly when He died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And His wisdom was on display as well. The people said, right, we've never heard anyone speak like Him. Our scribes don't speak like that. He, he, he speaks in wonderful ways. And, and then those people say that thing about him, which I just said in my prayer and which I have on my wall, because I think gave it to us. It's my favorite verse. I tell you this all the time. He has done everything well. Right? That's what the people say about Jesus. He has done everything well. So our God is the God of, of uh, is the blessed God of eternal wisdom and might. There is nothing he cannot do, and there is nothing he does that he shouldn't do. Now, this general truth about God is crystallized in verse 21a, where we see a second comforting truth about our God, and it's that He sovereignly governs all of history. He sovereignly governs all of history. And Daniel points out two facets of history in particular as he makes this point. The first facet of history is what we might call natural history. I actually think natural history is maybe something else 
but it fit with what I wanted to say here. That's what I mean when he says, he says, God changes times and seasons. Carl, what's natural history? You're kind of a science guy. Oh, it's not you? Oh. Well, good, then I couldn't be caught by anybody. Anybody know what natural history is? I think it has to do with the study of, like, the, of like, the, like animal species or something. But anyway, never mind. Daniel says he changes times and seasons. That's what I'm getting at. And no doubt in the changing of times and seasons, uh, we see both God's power and God's wisdom, don't we? The cold and the heat, the rain and the snow, the buds of spring, the falling leaves of fall. This week, we're really going to see it. It's cold and snowy today. It's supposed to be like 65 later in the week, right? Just our God can do those things easy. He, he changes times and seasons. And of course, we, we not only see God's power, we see His wisdom as, as the seasons allow for the growing of food and the sustaining of life. And again, all of that testament to God's wisdom. So in, in, in the changing of times and seasons, we see, we see God's wisdom, we see God's power together. But the point is... God is sovereign over it all. Summer doesn't turn to fall, and fall doesn't turn to winter, and winter doesn't turn to spring, and spring doesn't turn to summer by chance. No, God is sovereign over it all. He changes times and seasons. That is why He can promise to Noah after the flood, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God can make that promise because God changes times and seasons. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes can say, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And again, he has made everything beautiful in his time, right? Because God changes times and seasons. God is sovereign over natural history, over the changing of times and seasons. The second facet of history Daniel points to is the one that is especially relevant for us tonight. It's political history. Not only does God change times and seasons, He also removes kings and sets up kings. Now, the whole book of Daniel is really an illustration of this truth. In chapter 1, right at the beginning, we're told that the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so, so the book of Daniel begins by making it clear that, you know, Israel was defeated and King Jehoiakim lost his throne, but, but it was actually God who removed King Jehoiakim from the throne. It was God who delivered King Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has, has a dream, and this is actually what's going on here in chapter 2, but he, he, he has a dream in which his, he sees sort of a kingdom followed by another kingdom, followed by another kingdom, followed by another kingdom, and it's in the form of a statue, and then this kind of rock falls out of the sky and crushes it, if you remember that. But, but in that dream, right, when Daniel interprets it, what we're seeing is this truth, right, that, that God removes kings and sets up kings. It's a picture of, of Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom, and then his kingdom's gone, and then we have the Medes and the Persians and their kingdom, and then that kingdom's gone, and then we have the kingdom of Greece and their kingdom, and, and then Rome, and it's, it's, it's this truth. God removes kings and sets up kings. And then in Daniel 5, it's one of my, I think that is one of my favorite stories in the Bible after having preached through it. There's Belteshazzar uh, in all his glory and pride. He's throwing a party, and he sees the handwriting on the wall, mene, mene, tekel, and parson which means you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And we're told that very night he was killed 
and then the Persians are in power. God removes kings. God sets up kings. And then, of course, the latter half of Daniel, there's the visions which testify over and over again to the rise and fall of kingdoms on down through history. So the whole of Daniel is an illustration of this truth that God removes kings and sets up kings. I um, think, too, of other places in Scripture where we see this truth affirmed. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate, and Jesus says to Pontius Pilate, you would have no authority over me if it was not given you from above. Jesus there, too. He's affirming God's sovereignty over the political history of our world, and He's acknowledging the fact that God is the one who sets up kings. God is the one who gives them their power. God is the one who gives them their authority. God is the one who removes kings. Paul 2, Romans 13, 1, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And the truth of Scripture is this, one commentator says, God has sovereign determination of all political changes. He sets up kings, He removes kings. God has sovereign determination of all political changes. If Donald Trump wins on Tuesday, God put him there. Joe Biden wins on Tuesday, God put him there. Now, there's more to say about that in a moment, but, but God has sovereign determination of all political changes. We have to find rest in that tonight. We have to find rest in that this week. Whatever happens, your guy wins, your guy loses. Behind it, we see the Lord who removes kings and sets up kings by His power, and who, don't forget what we learned before, whose plan and whose way is always perfect. So, our God is sovereignly governing all of history. Nothing happens outside of His will, outside of His power, outside of His control. The third comforting truth that Daniel sets before us is this. God gives grace to His people. We see this in verse 21b. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Now, Daniel uh, experiences this grace of wisdom and knowledge firsthand right here in Daniel chapter 2. Again, this is the passage where Nebuchadnezzar has that dream and He wants to know what his dream means, but he was a little bit unreasonable. Apparently, he didn't trust his wise men and his advisors, and he said, listen, I not only want you to tell me what the dream means, but I actually want you to tell me what I dreamed, right? I want you to tell me what went through my head while I was sleeping, and if you can't tell me, I'm going to kill you, right? That's the story. And, of course, the advisors, the wise men, the enchanters, they can't tell them. They're about to die. And someone goes to Daniel, and Daniel prays about it, and the Lord makes known to Daniel uh, the wisdom and the knowledge that he needed. He makes known to Daniel the content of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And that's what Daniel here is ultimately, that's what leads him to this section of praise that we read together. But God God gives grace to His people in in the form of wisdom and knowledge. We learn that here, and, and all of us can testify to having received, I think, some level of wisdom and knowledge from God in the simple fact that we've come to know Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. Remember what uh, Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So, there's a connection between fearing the Lord, 
uh, coming to the Lord through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. So, so we too, if we've come to know Christ as our Savior and Lord, that's not something we've discovered for ourselves, not something we've learned for ourselves. That is, that is something we've received from God. That is wisdom and knowledge that God has imparted to us. And the Scripture is clear that that God continues to impart these gifts of wisdom and knowledge to His people, even after they first come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is why uh, it's fitting for us to pray for more wisdom and for more knowledge. This is what we see Paul doing in Ephesians 3. One of the most well-known prayers in Scripture is really a prayer for knowledge and understanding. Paul says, "...for this reason I kneel before the Father." from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge." Right? Paul is there praying that the, that the Ephesians will have greater knowledge because Paul knows that God is the one who imparts wisdom and knowledge. God gives grace to His people, the form of wisdom and knowledge. God opens our minds to great and wonderful and previously unknown or unrealized spiritual truths, such as the magnitude of His love for us in Christ. Have you ever you ever experienced that in your life when you're just you're reading scripture, you're listening to a sermon, and you're just like, wow, you know, God, God's love in Christ is far greater than I ever knew. I've had that like five times in my life, and every time I'm like, was I even a Christian before? Like, it's almost like you're reborn again, right? It's, it's, a, it's a growth in grace, but God, He imparts that wisdom. He imparts that, that knowledge. He helps us see things and understand things from His Word, or see things and understand things about His grace and about the depths of His love that maybe we, we weren't aware of before. So that's our God. He gives grace to His people in the form of wisdom and knowledge. And even this week, we do well to ask God, and I've been asking God for this um, for, for weeks now, maybe months, just, Lord, give me wisdom to navigate uh, these tense political times uh, in a way uh, that brings honor and glory to your name. I've found myself making that a common prayer request because often I don't know what to do, and I need the wisdom and knowledge that the Lord can impart, and I need Him to make His way clear and to show me how His Word applies to my life uh, in these various situations. Well, that leads us to a fourth comforting truth about our God, and it's this. God knows what is in the darkness. See this in verse 22. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. There are things we can't see. There are things in life which are beyond our comprehension. These are the things that are in the darkness. For Daniel, here it was both the content and the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
Daniel could not know what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, and even if he did know what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, he couldn't have honestly known what Nebuchadnezzar's dream actually meant. These things lied in the darkness. They were beyond human comprehension. And yet God knows what lies in the darkness. God knew the content of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and He knew the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and He revealed those things to Daniel. And that's why Daniel says, sort of, it's all kind of working together, but, but um, he knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. The light is the, light is the truth, right? It, it dwells with God. It doesn't always dwell with us. We, to us, we look at things that are unknown, and it's darkness, but the light dwells with God. He knows what's in the darkness. The light is with him. The truth that we want to know is with him. Now, that, that was Daniel's situation. What lied in the darkness was, was the, the content of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. For us, what are some things that lie in the darkness? Well, well the future lies in the darkness, doesn't it? Uh, we, can, uh, we, don't, um, we can make predictions um, as to what the future holds. You know, we can look at trends and we can think, I think this is going to happen, but, but the future's in the darkness, we really don't know uh, how the election's going to play out this week. We don't know what our nation will look like by next Saturday or in three months or in six months or, or in a year. The future lies in the darkness. And something else that lies in the darkness are God's purposes in any and every situation, right? Donald Trump wins the presidency. We, we really don't know what God's purposes are in that if Joe Biden wins the presidency. We don't know what God's purposes are in that either. Think about COVID-19. Talked about that earlier. Right? We don't know when it'll end. We don't know what God's purposes are for it. Often I want to scream, God, what are you, what are you doing? Right? Why? Why does this have to happen? Why does this have to wreck life? Why does this have to tear apart your church and your community and your school? Like, why, God? But we don't know. These things are beyond our comprehension. These are things which lie in the darkness. And yet, here's the good news. God knows what lies in the darkness. The light of truth that we long for, whether it's regarding the future or, or, or regarding His purposes in the election or through COVID-19, the light of truth, it belongs to Him. What's dark to us is not dark to Him. What lies beyond us does not lie beyond Him. And that is, that is good news. Reminded of what Corey Ten Boom said oh, two times today, Corey Ten Boom. I love Corey Ten Boom. She's dead now, but I loved her. When she was locked away in a prison camp, uh, obviously that was a very difficult time in her, in her life, as you can imagine. She uh, had no idea how it was going to play out. She was just shrouded in uncertainty. In fact, she's the only one of her family who, who ended up making it out of the prison camp alive, or her father, her sister. Uh, they all died there. And yet, while she's, she's, she's in her cell, and she's in the midst of all this uncertainty, she has no idea what the future holds, this is what she said to herself. It's enough for me that God knows enough for me that God knows. And her point was, right? She didn't know what the future held. She didn't know what God was doing in all this, how He might 
use this to bring glory to his name. It was all, it was all, it all lied in the darkness, but it was enough for her that God knew. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what the future holds, no matter who gets elected on Tuesday. I don't know what God's doing in it. These things lie in the darkness. These things are beyond our comprehension. But with Corey Ten Boom, and sort of with Daniel as well, I want to say it's enough for me that God knows. And honestly, if God can work in and through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the most wicked and seemingly senseless thing that has ever taken place on this earth, if God can work through that to accomplish the most wonderful thing that's ever happened on the face of this earth, there is no situation in which we should doubt that He is sovereign and He is in control and He does have a plan. So, I don't know what this week's going to bring, but it's enough for me that God knows. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. You are the blessed God of eternal wisdom and might. You are the one who sovereignly controls all of history. You are the one who gives grace to your people in and through Christ, and you are the one who knows what lies in the darkness. Help us to say, that is enough for me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, why don't you stand for the parting blessing? Do you think we know this last song I picked, Carlene? It's familiar? Okay. Why don't you stand for the parting blessing, and then we'll sing our last song. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. What number is it? 412 in the gray. I opened right to it. That was kind of fun. Let's do, uh, we'll do verses 1, 3, and 5, all right? That's not what I had in there, but can we do 1, 3, and 5, Carlene? 1, 3, and 5 of 4, 12 in the gray.